what's better in life than a bottle of wine, great food, and an amazing conversation? My name is Kate Sullivan, and I am the host of To Dine For. I'm a journalist, a foodie, a traveler with an appetite for the stories of people who are hungry for more. Dreamers, visionaries, artists, those who hustle hard in the direction they love. I travel with them to their favorite restaurant to hear how they did it. This show is a toast to them and their American dream. Thank you to the sponsors of To Dine For The Podcast, American National and Spiritless. To Dine For The Podcast is brought to you by American National, offering a broad suite of insurance solutions to protect what matters most to you. For 115 years, American National has remained committed to helping people and communities make a real difference in their lives. American National supports great local community organizations led by the kind of people you hear about on To Dine For, people who are inspired to make a difference and inspire others in return. American National's philosophy is helping where it's needed helps us all. For a description of the American National companies, the products they write, and the states in which they're licensed, visit americannational.com dine. Spiritless supports the conscientious cocktailer who wants to live fully but drink differently. Their signature Kentucky 74 is a distilled non-alcoholic spirit for your favorite bourbon cocktails. It's zero alcohol zero guilt, and just 15 calories per serving. Whether you go completely spiritless or go halfsies with a foolproof bourbon to lower the ABV in your cocktail, you can get your bottle today at spiritless.com. Use promo code to dine for to get free shipping. Welcome to To Dine For, the podcast, where we meet the world's most innovative and creative minds at their favorite restaurant. On today's episode is John Randall Tyson, Chief Sustainability Officer for Tyson Foods. We say our vision at Tyson is to be the most sustainable and transparent protein company in the world. Today, we are in Fayetteville, Arkansas, eating at a true local gem, a place with a storied history and loyal customers, Herman's Rib House. It's where John R. Tyson chose as his absolute favorite restaurant. I watched John Randall grow up. Did you? Yes. This is a special place for him. He really oh, this is very authentic to who he is. Yes, it is. John is the great-grandson of the founder of Tyson Foods and is now leading the charge to innovate and make Tyson a global leader in sustainability. To understand and appreciate this pocket of the state in this slice of America, there is perhaps no better place to go than Herman's Rib House, one of the oldest restaurants in town. Thank you, thank you, thank you for bringing me to Herman's. I feel like this is a classic American restaurant. Why did you choose Herman's of all the restaurants you could have chosen in this area? I have memories of coming to Herman's since I was as young as I can really remember. Wow. With my father and my grandfather and, you know, all kinds of friends and family. Anyone that comes to town, you got to come to Herman's. It's really just a Fayetteville, Arkansas, and Northwest Arkansas institution. Herman's Rib House has been around since 1964, serving up spare ribs, burgers, fillets, and their famous garlic chicken. People all over Northwest Arkansas come here for the community as much as the food. And yes, the red checkered tablecloths are still on the table. Every guest still getting a bowl of salsa and saltine crackers to nibble on before the food arrives. Here's owner Nick Wright. 
I've been here since 1996, started washing dishes. When Nick got a job at Herman's washing dishes, he had no idea this restaurant would turn out to be his heart and soul. At lunch on the weekends, <laughs> that's what it was. PJ said it might turn into some more, and, and it did. 25 years later, he owns the place with his wife, Carrie. He's worked every imaginable job in the restaurant and tries to pass on the lessons he's learned to his young employees. They want to know who you are. Because if you stay here long enough, they're going to treat you like family. And they expect you to do the same to them. Mm. This place is so special. I've been here since 1996. Can you believe you're the owner? Not in a million years did I ever dream I would ever, ever own Herman Tripp House. Really? No. Never even crossed my mind. It is an institution. And let me just tell you, Nick was like, I remember John R. Tyson when he was a little boy. I mean, it is, I mean, they remember you as kids coming in yeah. here. There's been a sense of community that has been established here that just doesn't go away. And of course, when you walk around and you just look at all the pictures on the walls, you know you're coming to a place that has hosted people from all over the country and the world and the state. And it just makes it a, it makes it a cool place to be. When COVID hit last March, Nick wasn't sure they would survive. COVID almost killed us. What does that mean to you, to have that kind of loyalty among it customers? It blows my mind. The first week we shut down and did to-go orders, it blew my mind. That first week, we had people calling from Benville. There were some nights I just wanted to cry. It, it, it was so powerful what they were doing, because I didn't, I didn't think we were going to do anything. People love you. Yes. Yeah, and you felt it. COVID showed me that I really do love the camaraderie of the customers. Mm, yeah. I miss seeing the cooking and doing to-go orders with no one in this restaurant mm. was very depressing. So it's the people. I love the people. What does it mean that John R. Tyson picked this as his favorite restaurant? The Tyson family never ceased to amaze me, how much they support us. What are you going to be ordering today? Today, I'm ordering a hamburger steak uh, with some hash browns on the side and uh, a little side salad. Is that uh, what you ordered when you were a kid? That's pretty much what I ordered when I was a kid. <laughs> that's and what so I you thought. don't change it up. You know, a, a lot of times when I come with a big group, we do ribs as an appetizer is my preference. I'll encourage my friends or my guests to do the garlic chicken, which is also delicious. Yes. But I got to just stick with the same program. Tradition. Tradition. Stick with tradition. tradition. That's what this uh, interview, I think, is all about, yeah, right? Yeah. Speaking of tradition, John R. Tyson is currently the Chief Sustainability Officer for Tyson Foods. After graduating from Harvard and getting a business degree from Stanford, John is now in a position that allows him to shape social responsibility for a new generation at the largest producer of protein in the world. It's a job that requires innovation, imagination, and creativity. And John is eager to share what's ahead at Herman's. It's a place where everyone knows your name. Yes. Where you feel comfortable, where they treat you like family, whether you're a Tyson or not. Yeah, that's right. What does it mean to grow up in this part of the country, especially as a Tyson? Uh, it's a great question, and this is a great community to grow up in and to live in now. It's, it's a distinct part of the country. I always call it the heartland. Mm -hmm. and it's somewhere between the south and the midwest, so it doesn't fit neatly into a box. Mm -hmm. And people from around here, I think, feel that way. Uh, there's a great pride 
to being an Arkansan, specifically to being from Northwest Arkansas. Wow. Our food has just been the served. The food has just arrived. <laughs> look at this. This looks amazing. You are having look what looks like a hamburger steak with a salad, home fries. I've got this Philly cheesesteak that looks incredible. I love the crackers on the table. The crackers and on the salsa. table, and I haven't been helping myself, but uh, I really like the chips and the salsa. Okay. Chips and salsa, but not tortilla chips. It's, you know, the ruffles style, which Classic. is a little bit different, and I, I really... I really enjoy it. Yeah. So what's it like growing up as a Tyson? You know, you're around the chicken business. What do you think your family instilled in you as a kid that came directly from running this, this company in Northwest Arkansas? I went to school here in Springdale, Arkansas, which is right next to Fayetteville for our listeners, and played sports, went to school, tried to get good grades. Mm -hmm. And when I think about my own youth in middle school and junior high and high school, I think of it as pretty typical. My entire life and career, I have known that I wanted to be involved in some way, some leadership way with Tyson, and, but I, it was always hard when I was younger to know exactly what that was going to be like. Right. You know, I began my career working in finance as an investor, really wanting to carve my own path, be as far out of the orbit of Tyson Foods as possible. Mm -hmm. But uh, I think that's normal though, yeah. right? For family, yeah. like for kids who grew up in a big family, it, it's almost like they want to do their own thing. They want to create their own legacy and their own sense of what is possible. You know, Nick, who owns this restaurant, has been trying to get his three kids to run it mm -hmm. one day and not, they don't want anything to do with it. Mm -hmm. So I'm just wondering, you know, like when you're growing up, you're thinking, you know what, this is great that I'm, you know, from this family that everyone knows, but I really want to do my own thing. And what I'm hearing from you is, yeah, you did. You wanted to carve your own path. Wanted to carve my own path. And that's really, um, I think, you know, Figuring out how to align, you know, what it is I want to do with where I can have the greatest impact, mm. you know, either on the community where I live or our company or on the world is really motivating. And I believe I'm extremely fortunate mm -hmm. to have that opportunity. You were shadowing a lot of your family members at one point, really learning the family business. When did that start, and then when did you assume the role of Chief Sustainability Officer? The joke I always make is I've been a full-time employee at Tyson for over 30 years now, <laughs> um, but I've been on payroll for a little over a year, which is, <laughs> which is great. You know, I've been around the business uh, my whole life pretty much. I mean, the place where I grew up is 10 minutes from the office and go to some of our production facilities growing up. So I had that opportunity to see the business from all different angles. And uh, I think the one thing that was true through all those years was the importance that, you know, both my dad and my granddad put on me to say, hey, look, taking care of our people is the single most important thing you can do. Without a thriving workforce, without a team that's like excited and passionate about the company and cares about the company they're working for, you can't be successful. So that was really lesson number one. After I'd finished graduate school, I wanted to move back to Arkansas and I wanted to do something around Tyson, but I didn't know what that was. It just so happened at the time that, you know, we were making a bigger push into sustainability. We first created the role of Chief Sustainability Officer in 2017, and my predecessor changed his role in order to focus on our alternative proteins business, which is also a big part of our uh, sustainability push. And, uh, you know, I took over what at that time was a modest portfolio of kind of setting our enterprise sustainability strategy and leading a few different teams that are all kind of working toward that mission. I was reading about the history of Tyson and I thought it was so interesting that at every pivot and every juncture of Tyson's growth has been 
a problem that needed a solution, right? Mm. So it started when, at the very beginning, when your great-grandfather, right, mm -hmm. wanted to feed his family, right? And it started with, like, he literally had a truck, and he knew he could deliver stuff. Yes. So it's like, okay, can I get the chick? Can I get the produce? Okay, produce only happens for six months out of the year. i got to do the chickens now. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't like he wanted to go into the chicken business. No. He wanted a job that allowed him to feed his family, and then it grew. The family is incredibly business-minded because at the essence of every great business is being able to pivot and adapt and fill more needs, right? But it looks like right now, here we are at this juncture, and the word sustainability is important. Mm. Climate change is important in addressing that. I'm talking about alternative proteins is important. And I feel like you have kind of stepped into this role at such a crucial time that you are filling, just like your family members have filled all these needs and found all these solutions to problems. Here you are, yeah. John R. Tyson. Yeah, right? yeah. I think it's, it's uh, what you just described about some different points in history. I, I always say there's two things that are going on, serving our customers and solving problems or you know, solving problems for our customers. Maybe they are one and the same. And I think that that is a core mindset for any successful business. Mm -hmm. And it's certainly been what has allowed us to be successful for such a long period of time. We say our vision at Tyson is to be the most sustainable and transparent protein company in the world. Mm -hmm. And the, the mission of our team, our sustainability team, which is you know one part of a bigger enterprise, is to create value or mitigate risk for all stakeholders in Tyson's value chain. That means a lot of different things to a lot of different people, and it's a challenge, but you know we set out to define that with focus and analytical rigor in a way that you know continues to meet the expectations of the general public mm -hmm. and our customers and our investors, because we know without them, we, we couldn't be successful. If you're not in the sustainability world, it's, it's hard to wrap your brain around. Please explain what problems you are currently trying to solve as chief sustainability officer. A lot of different problems. If you think about our sustainability approach at Tyson, we call it the formula to feed the future. And we say there's three really key parts of our sustainability mission. First is empowering people, customers, and communities. The second is conserving natural resources and protecting the planet. And the third is cultivating innovation in agriculture. So what does that mean? Yeah, For, what does that mean? What does John? that mean? What does <laughs> John, that mean? What does that mean? So, you know, people, natural resources, agriculture, mm -hmm. core to us. And how are we gonna do it? Empowerment, conservation, innovation. I think we try to keep it simple and easy to understand so that not just our sustainability team, but everyone that works at Tyson and everyone that we do business with can understand what our aspirations are. So when it comes to people, you know, we're focused on having a thriving workforce that feels safe and healthy and is thriving in their personal health when they work for us. We're focused on building a workplace and communities that are equitable and inclusive. Mm. We employ roughly 140,000 people around the world, uh, 110 to 120,000 here in the United States. For one of our aspirations is that we have training and education available to all of our team members. So, you know, one program that I'm really proud of, we started about five years ago. We just celebrated the fifth birthday. Happy birthday, Upward <laughs> Academy. Uh, Upward Academy is a program where we offer digital and financial literacy training, English language skills training, citizenship 
questionnaire training and a few other kind of life skills programs to, to any of our workforce that wants it for free mm-hmm. and on site. So if you have employees that are not citizens, that don't speak English, uh, those are something that if they were to become a Tyson employee, those yeah. are services that they can tap into. Correct. They can tap into it. I mean, it's at their own, you know, they join a class. They can do it at their own pace. We've got it digitally enabled now, so you can do it on an iPad so that's one example. Mm-hmm. And you know what we want is we want people that are thriving in the workplace, but we also want them to be we want them to thrive at home, you know. They've got families to take care of, and so we think that's important. You know, another example is, on the social piece is we make a lot of inve- we first off we donate a lot of food. We as a food company, it's important to us that we are providing people with access to high quality, nutritious, safe, and affordable food. And we place a big emphasis on that affordable piece. You know, we want, we don't want high quality food to be something that's only available to a select few. It, you know, I think core to our mission is is making sure that everyone has access to safe and healthy food. One thing I'm I'm really proud of is our community pantry program, where, you know, oftentimes a small or medium sized food bank in a suburban or rural community doesn't have the infrastructure to take on a commercial scale food donation. You know, at Tyson, when we do it, we do it big. We're backing up a truck and dropping off a lot of pallets of food and people have to be able to receive that and store it so that it can get to the members of their community that they're trying to serve. And so we've done things like invest in freezers, we've donated forklifts, things so that people can, you know, receive and distribute the food that that we donate. We'll have more from our delicious meal in just a minute. But first, thank you to our sponsors. To Dine For the podcast is brought to you by American National, offering a broad suite of insurance solutions to protect what matters most to you. There's a funny thing about most insurance commercials, whether they feature lizards or birds or funny cartoon characters. It seems like they want you to think about anything but insurance. American National, on the other hand, has real local agents who get to know you so they can help you reach better decisions about your insurance to make sure you're protecting what matters most to you. American National agents are part of your community. They're your neighbors. So whether it's solutions for your home, your small business, your farm, or your life, you can count on your local American National agent to make sure you get the discounts you deserve and the protection you need without paying for extras you don't. With American National, you get an ally, not just a web page. For a description of the American National companies, the products they write in the states in which they're licensed, visit AmericanNational.com dine. If you're like me, there are times when you want to feel like you're having a fancy cocktail, but you don't actually want the alcohol. So I love Kentucky 74 from Spiritless. It's a distilled, non-alcoholic spirit for your favorite bourbon cocktails, but with just 15 calories per serving and none of the guilt. You can pre-order your bottle today at spiritless.com. Use the promo code to dine for to get free shipping. Now back to our conversation. Yeah, I worked for about five or six years, then went back to graduate school at Stanford. Stanford has a really strong culture of social impact and innovation. And so I finished my graduate program with an intent to, you know, do something socially and social impact minded. And uh, And at this point, is your dad like, we want you to come back, son? I mean, we want you to come back. Every single day, (laughs) I get a call from my dad. Hey, son, how are you? 
So I've been thinking about this thing, and it's like, okay. Because they're trying to lure you back, right? They, they've kind of, they're, they want to be on your radar when you're thinking about mapping out your career. I'll say yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's certainly been an aspiration, or I think a hope of my dad's that both me and my sister would be involved in Tyson Foods leadership at some point. The difference, I think, is that he did not, you know, maybe he pulled a little bit, but was very intentional about allowing me to pursue my own career and own path. And I think I'm grateful for that. And it has allowed me to, um, you know, step into a leadership role at Tyson recently, kind of on my own terms, mm-hmm. in a way that really excites me and, and not feeling like it's an obligation, but it's something I'm like, really excited about, right? You know, the new generation, you know, we are entering a new phase um, as a country, and we have new priorities. And obviously, sustainability has to be at the top for every company, not just Tyson. Let's talk about the environmental impact. Yes, please. What are problems in that sphere, that pillar, that you're really hoping to tackle? We break down our environmental sustainability work into a few key buckets. Reducing emissions, reducing the waste in our supply chain, you know, conserving and reusing water, and also increasingly focus on sustainable packaging. You know, we believe that each of these are kind of, they're interconnected but independent. You know, it's sometimes a challenge because there's a saying in business that like, if you have 10 priorities, you have no priorities. Mm -hmm. And we run into that a little bit, but there's not an option anymore to kind of opt out for for businesses, or at least that's our belief. So building on what you just said, if you had to dial it down to one, what is your number one priority when it comes to the environment and sustainability for Tyson? You have uh, to pick one. We, yeah, if we have to pick one, I, I was going to say, I mean, again, all of these issues are important, but increasingly investors and the general public are paying attention to emissions and climate change. And uh, what are you guys doing? We're focused on reducing our emissions 30% by 2030. We were the first North American protein company to have a science-based target initiative approved greenhouse gas reduction target. And so what does that mean? That? Well, I'll tell you, uh, but it's important that we just pause on the on the science-based target approved goal because what that means is we've had an independent third party come in and verify and validate what our goals are, said that they're realistic, they're aspirational, but they're realistic. Mm-hmm. And we've set a baseline and a scorecard. And of course, there's so much that our listeners today will see in the supermarket or on the radio or on a, another podcast about companies doing all these great things. But if you're not reporting and measuring transparently about what you're doing and you're not doing it in a way that's rooted in science, uh, you know, I don't want to hear about it personally. Mm-hmm. For us, reducing emissions is a big complex problem because we course do business with so many different stakeholders and specifically a lot of independent farmers and ranchers that uh, grow the chickens that we produce and sell and that raise the turkey hogs and cattle that we produce and sell having a, a system focused on emissions where we're you know working with all different people in our supply chain starts with our customers goes with tyson and goes all the way back to the independent farmer who's doing business with us. And what excites us is that, you know, we're, we kind of sit in the middle, so we, we feel like we have this unique role that we can play to connect the consumer with the farmer. We say we're the, one of the original farm-to-table companies. And Truly. I, I know some, uh, some of our, some people don't necessarily think about a company like Tyson in that way. But at the end of the day, we've got nearly 10,000 people growing food at their farms. We're taking that from them and trying to make it uh, in a way that is, you know, 
affordable and convenient and delicious mm -hmm. for the consumer. Mm -hmm. That's our business. Mm -hmm. So you asked about emissions. I mean, we're focused on you know working with stakeholders all across the supply chain. And do you feel like most people are compliant and on board? I think that today's business leaders understand the importance of this issue today and going into decades into the future. Right. Uh, I am optimistic. Okay, I, so you, you said the business leaders. What about the, you know the individuals that have to enact it? Do you find do you get any resistance to this concept of sustainability and especially some of your work? I mean, is that a pain point? That, that's or an obstacle that you find yourself in? You know, I would describe the pain point not as resistance, but rather a lack of understanding or awareness. So the approach that we take is whether we're working with people that work at Tyson or people that we do business with, you know, we say, hey, here's what we think, here's what we want to do, and here's why. Mm -hmm. And time and time again, when you lay out the science around all different kinds of sustainability issues, people understand. Mm -hmm. But it's also important to remember we're running a business. And so a big challenge for us is how do we translate these non-financial issues into financial terms? Right. And that is a, you know, a core challenge, but it's, it's a fun one. And I think it's like the critical role that our sustainability team at Tyson plays. And you know, increasingly when you look at companies in America that are having sustainability functions or sustainability leadership within their organization, that's one of those core challenges those teams are, are meeting for their companies. How do we translate this into a business issue mm -hmm. so that uh, it's easy to get everyone on board and understanding what's going on? And we've talked a little bit about emissions as one of the big sustainability challenges that we have. So when you think about our emissions profile of Tyson, 10 to 15% roughly are scope one and two emissions, emissions within the four walls of our company. Roughly 80 to 90% of our emissions are, quote, scope three emissions. So emissions that sit outside of our four walls over which we have potential influence and impact on how they do things. So when we talk about agriculture, what we're really focused on is improving and investing in the row crop supply chain in the United States and all around the world. We're also focused on ensuring the highest standards of animal welfare across our supply chain here in the U.S. So what does that look globally. like? When you go to an independent family farm in another part of the country, what is Tyson having to ask them to change about how they do business to fit your sustainability practices? It's a great question, and I think you have made a common assumption that many people do when they talk about food and our, our business, which is that we're asking people to change. In some cases, we are asking people to change. In many cases, we're trying to continue to do business with you know our partners who we think are already leaders in sustainability and animal welfare. Well, how would a family farm that isn't up to your standards, how would they have to change to still partner with Tyson? Well, uh, I can't speak in specifics around what changes an individual farm would need to make. But what I can tell you is, you know, we have the highest expectations around care and respect for the animals that are entrusted to our care. You know, the way that our business is structured, we have a close working relationship with the independent growers in our poultry business. And so what we try to do is provide them coaching and counseling and support so that they can have the happiest and healthiest birds right. around. When you have a goal, right, yeah. um, like you do with sustainability, everyone has to, to make changes. We're a changing world, right? We all have to make adjustments. You work with so many agriculture, so many 
independent farms, how are they adjusting yeah. to, to also rise to the occasion? Yeah. We set the standard and the expectation and acknowledge that any type of investments that we're making in, for example, more energy efficient farm equipment is a transition over time. What is most important for us is that if we continue to have a thriving business, we're making money and serving our customers, then that means our suppliers will be making money, serving their customers. Therefore, we all have the, the increasing capacity to invest in things that have better environmental outcomes. I think that answers the question. It does, it does, absolutely. Uh, there's there's a, probably a myriad, and I would have to go directly to the farmer to see how many adjustments they've had to make. And they probably, most of them wanted, you know, they too want to and probably subscribe to a lot of your goals yeah. and want to get there themselves. So. Yeah. Well, I think one thing you got to think about is we're one of the largest purchasers of corn and soy in the U.S. and in the world that goes into animal feed. You have to think, you know, we, we do business with a lot of farmers who have been planting crops in the ground, growing it, harvesting it, selling it, and then doing it again on the same plot of land for nearly a century. Mm. So I think sometimes there's this, like, tension between somebody saying, hey, your farming is not sustainable, and you know, me sitting there saying, I've been growing food for you, the uh, American or the general global public, for decades here. So you know, tell me, tell me what I'm doing wrong. And that's not the approach that we take. The approach that we try to take is, how do we recognize and celebrate and honor those people that we do business with who are leading the way? and incorporating sustainable farming practices to what they do. If we can continue to you know, celebrate the leaders and show people as an example, we believe that, that good things will happen. I love what you just said. It, it, it's about great leadership. And when you, when you hold a standard high, and then you say, listen, this is, what, this is who we are. This is what we're about. If you, too, would like to come along for the ride, this is, we need everyone to get on board. And you get a different response than if you say you're doing it wrong, and you're doing it wrong, and you're doing it wrong. Am I right? Am I reading you right? Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, you never want to tell people that they're doing something wrong. Isn't it something that you yourself are in a family business? but you're dealing with so many other family businesses of all different sizes and shapes and scales. What is that like to, to see firsthand that you, know, you are contributing to their success and their livelihood and their American dream? I think uh, to connect it to what we were talking about earlier, why is sustainability important? We, we take the approach at Tyson, we view ourselves as stewards. We want to be good stewards of the animals entrusted to our care. We want to be good stewards of and to the communities where we operate and good stewards of the, you know, the land that's impactful to our business. And similarly, I think I take a personal approach. How do I be a good steward of Tyson Foods? I've been entrusted with a leadership role. You know, I feel a sense of responsibility to have a, a positive impact on the world and on our company. And I think that when we talk about you know, all the different people that we do business with, that concept of stewardship and longevity and continuity, I think, are really important for any family business. People want to hand things off to the next generation, just like Nick was talking about uh, here at Herman's. You know, he's, he wants to get his family into the business. But really, it's all about just leaving things a little bit better than when you got there and making things better along the way. Now that you've been in this role, what is the hardest part about the job? 
everyone takes a job thinking it's going to be one thing, right? And then you always find out along the way, oh gosh, I didn't realize it was this. Is there something that you have kind of identified as, wow, that surprised you? Yeah, I, I think that people tell you your entire life that everything, it always comes back to people. It's all about people. And you hear that and you're like, oh yeah, of course, you gotta be nice to people or you gotta be a tough leader and get people to do what you, what you think is right. But I, I think that until you work uh, in a company and you work on a team, you don't appreciate what exactly that means. And so I, I think, I don't know if I'd call it the biggest challenge, but being a part of a team has all these different and interesting facets that, you know, you just, Every team is different. Isn't it funny that no, no yeah. amount of going to Harvard and Stanford Business School can really prepare you for real life, being on a team, in the trenches, and at some point, it's a level, it's a, it's a level playing field, isn't yeah. it? Well, it's always, a level, it's always a level playing field. I think the biggest thing when it comes down to people is, and like being on a team is, you got, this is something I'm personally passionate about, you gotta find a way to be your true and authentic self. You got to show up to work every day and feel comfortable being, you know, who you are. And if you can do that, you will, I think, be more successful at your job. And then, of course, as a as a leader on a team, I want to make sure, and we, Tyson, we want to make sure that we're building a workplace that is inclusive and allows people to be their full selves. It's good for people's mental health to just be the same person all the time. I love what you said about being your authentic self, right? Yeah. Because and, and it, it, sometimes it takes a lifetime to figure out not only who you are, but what you're really good at. What do you think right now is your superpower? Meaning, what is it that you feel like, you know what, I'm actually good at that? What am I really good at? I will say that whether I'm good at it or not, I can't say, but something that I really focus on day in and day out yep. is trying to learn and just be, you know, have as much humility as possible. To me, humility is really like a core leadership trait. Yep. I think by focusing on staying humble, it allows me to know what I don't know, uh -huh. to ask questions and trust people that I work with, and to you know always wonder if there's a slightly different or better way that we could do things. And so I think that, that's a, that, that drives me. What do you love the most? What part of the job are you like, I love this part? What do I love the most? You know, I have to say the best part about working at Tyson Foods is that we put food on people's plates every single day of the week. Every single day of the year, we're feeding people. And so remembering that like, hey, I'm going home, I'm gonna have dinner tonight, and that we, Tyson, are getting to provide that for someone else is, it's just a great feeling. We have such a far reach. I think we estimate that as much as one in five protein servings in the U.S comes from Tyson. So you, you really feel like whatever you're doing, whether it's me or someone else, that we're having an impact on the world. And so the work that we do matters. What do you like to do for fun? What's enjoyable for you? It's great to be in Northwest Arkansas where you can get in the outdoors. So I love to hike and bike and just be outside. I'm a huge basketball fan, so as we're recording this, the Arkansas Razorbacks are in March Madness basketball tournament. Am I keeping you from a March Madness game? You're not keeping me from a March Madness game. Uh, I go to bed every night waiting patiently for like the few days until they tip off. That's kind of on the active side, but you know, I also love to just read and learn. I think if you ask me what am I doing on the weekends, I'm probably sitting on my couch with a book. In some of my free time around here, a couple of years ago, I had the privilege 
thanks to a friend, Matt Waller, who's the dean at the, at the Arkansas Business School, to teach a class on leadership and literature to business students. So awesome. that, uh, that's something I'm proud of. And I did it the first time. I think I was successful. I got good ratings from my students, but I also got great feedback from my students. What I'll tell you is that when you ask 20-year-olds what they think about you, they will tell you. <laughs> they will tell you, and especially when it's anonymized and on a form online, they don't hold back. And, and did you like that? Did you like teaching? I loved it. I love teaching. Uh, it's really fun to just sit in a room, 20 students sitting in a circle, talking about things like either The Great Gatsby or Siddhartha or you know, the death of Ivan Ilyich, you know, some, like, some ser- serious texts, and we had a blast doing it. We yeah. had a blast doing it. That's so cool. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. So, and it was something that I touched on, but we really didn't delve into it. Talk about growing up with your, your kind of your, your family, your sister, your mom. Tell me what that was like and tell me who they are. Yeah. What you learned from them. Well, I'm, thank you for asking that because it's really common that when we talk about Tyson, we talk about a family business, people know my dad and my grandpa who were, uh, and my great-grandpa who were, you know, seriously involved in the company but you know I always like to remind people my mother who is not employed at Tyson Foods and my sister who is involved in her own different way with the company as a you know fellow member of the fourth generation have such a significant and positive impact on my life first off my mom and I are just great friends and we get along and you know in the most I say this in the most positive way possible she doesn't care too she cares about Tyson Foods but she doesn't care too much she cares about me as her son and so having that kind of relationship with her is is a super important part of my life and then of course my sister she and I couldn't be more different but as we've gotten older continue to grow and be better and better friends and uh, so as we think about the future of Tyson and whether or not she or I are on our board of directors at some point. Working together for stability and continuity for Tyson is important to both of us. The other thing too is my sister's just a lot cooler than me. So <laughs> And you're gonna get points for just saying yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> my sister's a lot cooler than me. I'm kind of a dork. I feel like I'm sitting here with, you know, like a vest and my button up shirt and she'd probably give me give me a little grief. <laughs> That's awesome. I just want to make a toast, if you don't mind. Cheers to you, John. This has been so enjoyable. I've loved learning more about Tyson, and I wish Thank you, you for continued having me. success. Yeah, it's really nice to be here. This has been a fun conversation, and uh, it's always a pleasure when I get to just tell a story about Tyson and about everything that and we Hermans, do. And right? Hermans, <laughs> And Hermans. Thank you so Thank much, you. John. This has been great. Thanks for listening to To Dine For The Podcast. For more information on the show, the guests, and the podcast, head to todine4tv.com. You can find us on Instagram at todine4tv and Facebook at todine4 with Kate Sullivan. Thanks to the sponsors of To Dine For The Podcast, American National and Spiritless. Special thank you to producer and sound editor John Golner. To the loyal followers of this program, cheers, stay hungry, and stay inspired. I'll see you back at the table soon. 
Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.